Hey, it's Nora, Nora McInerney. I suddenly feel like I'm leaving you a voicemail. And get ready, because my voicemails always exceed the limit, and I always get cut off, and they're like, are you satisfied with your voicemail? Press, no, I'm not satisfied with my voicemail. I was still talking. I was telling a full-on story. I'm Nora McInerney, host of Terrible Thanks for Asking. This is not Terrible Thanks for Asking currently. We aren't back yet. However, we will be back next week. So... Why am I here? I'm here to tell you about something else and give you a little something else to listen to that I actually genuinely 100% like and I've talked about on my Instagram so you know that I mean it. It's a podcast about poetry. Trust me, I don't think I'm anything special. I am intellectually insecure, as you may have realized from just hearing me talk. (laughs) I just am. Okay. I just am always like, I don't think I'm that, I don't think I'm smart enough for like, oh, a poem. But I really love poetry. I like reading it. Do I always understand it? No. Am do am I reading it correctly? Probably not, but I really do love it. And there's a podcast. I'm getting to the point. So it's made here at American Public Media and it features Tracy K. Smith, who is the poet laureate of the United States of America. Monday through Friday. Tracy K. Smith brings you a poem that she loves and reads it to you in her gorgeous voice and also talks about the poem. And just the way she talks sounds like a poem. And you're like, wait, is this the poem? No, it's just her voice saying beautiful, brilliant things about poetry. And it's only five minutes long. Look here. Listen, listen to this, and I'll be back in five minutes. I'm U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith. And this is The Slowdown. When my own mother was hospitalized with a terminal illness, I lived in a strange collision of feelings. I hadn't yet accepted her death as inevitable, but I knew it was possible, and that knowledge made me afraid. I was also afraid of disappointing her and of being responsible for keeping my own life on track at a time when the stakes seemed so much higher or stranger than ever before. We mostly sat watching old black-and-white movies together, screwball comedies, laughing at the characters' mishaps and sighing in relief when the obstacles to their happiness were finally overcome. I reserved my angriest feelings for my father, who, despite having done nothing wrong, became the target of the outrage I felt toward fate itself. You're killing her, I screamed at him once, though he wasn't. He was simply trying, like the rest of us, to make his own peace with what he couldn't change or control. After our mom died, my sister and I started shopping a lot. We'd buy clothes for occasions that didn't and might never exist. Occasions that required us to show up looking pretty in new skirts or commanding in sturdy boots. We were prepared for anything. Walking from register to car with our bags, we felt quenched. But a week later, we'd be back in some fitting room, smiling at our reflections, thinking, now we have everything, now we are whole. Though, of course, we didn't. We weren't. 
We lived in a feeling of unresolvable imbalance, where what we needed was so vast, so ungraspable, so utterly beyond our reach, that all we could do was cram our empty spaces with new dresses and boots and any other little thing we could find. I want to share this work by first-generation Chinese-American poet Chen Chen because it taps into one of the more difficult aspects of family life. It asks questions about the roles we play in relation to the people we love and need most and how those roles can sometimes feel inadequate and inescapable. This poem has taught me something all these many years later about the nature of my own grief. In the hospital. My mother was in the hospital, and everyone wanted to be my friend. But I was busy making a list. Good dog, bad citizen, short skeleton, tall mocha. Typical Tuesday. My mother was in the hospital, and no one wanted to be her friend. Everyone wanted to be soft, cooing sympathies, very reasonable pigeons. No one had the time, and our solution to it was to buy shinier watches. We were enamored with what our wrists could declare. My mother was in the hospital, and I didn't want to be her friend. Typical son. Tall latte, short tail, bad plot, great with the atypical cafe. My mother was in the hospital, and she didn't want to be her friend. She wanted to be the family grocery list, low-fat yogurt, firm tofu. She didn't trust my father to be it. You always forget something, she said, even when I do the list for you, even then. The Slowdown is a production of American Public Media in partnership with the Library of Congress and the Poetry Foundation. To get a poem delivered to you daily, go to slowdownshow.org and sign up for our newsletter. And follow The Slowdown on Instagram and Twitter at slowdownshow. The Slowdown is written by me, Tracy K. Smith. It is produced by Jennifer Lai and Tracy Mumford. Our music is by Alexis Cuadrado. Engineering by Daniel Kearns and Corey Schreppel. Okay, see what I mean? Right? Like, don't you feel lighter, smarter, cooler, smarter, less insecure, smarter, better, smart? I do. I actually got to speak with Tracy K. Smith. Uh, I was extremely insecure the entire time. I got through the interview, and I'm pretty sure Tracy K. Smith is somewhere being like, what was that? Was that a... Who was I speaking to? Why? Is she okay? But she was very kind about it. Here's Tracy K. Smith being very, very smart. When you move so fast, you miss so much. (laughs) When you move so quickly, you're just scratching the surface. And um, I think what's really the case for so many of us is our attention gets fixed in just a few places. And we, we miss... You know, the small gestures, events, the the sort of like stray voices that could be speaking so powerfully to us, but that we're just not tuned into. 
And so I'm hoping that the show can say, I know you're busy. This is, you know, the real world that we live in. But if you have a couple minutes, I want to show you something that I think you need to see. So it is also only basically five minutes long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just brings you back to noticing. Mm -hmm. I feel like poetry is um, it defies the laws of physics in a way (laughs) because poems are brief. Um, But somehow within them, so much happens within time. Um, Stories, whole stories can unfold in just a few lines of a poem. And you go someplace when you're reading or listening to a poem. You're you're carried away and your relationship to ongoing time kind of changes. It's almost the way that like dreams operate where you could be asleep for just a few minutes, but you've you've lived something. Um, So I think it's a perfect, you know, perfect jolt of breath and perspective that can infuse an ordinary day. And somehow it's more efficient than so many other things. It's more efficient. It might be more effective than blankly scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and, then, and then looking I mean, up there's... and being like, where is my life gone? How am I 35? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that urge that we have, there's something that drives it. I don't think I can quite argue that away. But I agree that sometimes the after effect is like a sense of dazed confusion or for me kind of loneliness or, you know, isolation. Like, where have I been? I haven't gotten traction on much of anything. And um, I don't feel any more consoled or accompanied than, than I was before all of this. You have said that, like, poetry is a useful thing. I want you to talk a little bit about that. As a reader of poetry, it's often the case that another person's vocabulary for something powerful that they or the speaker of their poem has felt feeds my own vocabulary for thinking about my own life. And so every poem I read makes me feel a little bit more secure as a person who has feelings that don't always make easy sense. I feel like we we need a larger vocabulary for the big things in our lives, something that's larger than kind of the surface-based, abbreviated, increasingly brief and kind of glib words and phrases that we use to communicate with each other. I feel like poetry is one of the means for that fuller sense of, of how language can help us to describe who we actually are. See what I mean? Isn't she great? Okay, we we have one more poem. It's technically an episode. It's an episode of The Slowdown Show. Five more minutes of poetry and insight and lightness and wonderfulness coming to you. You can find this show on your own. I believe in you. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, it's called The Slowdown Show. And it's every day, Monday through Friday, you'll get a little poetry treat in your ears. I'm U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith, and this is The Slowdown.
A good heartbreak poem, like a good breakup song, can feel life-saving because it helps you describe an insurmountable feeling. And if you can describe it, maybe it's no longer larger than you. A good poem about a bad situation wields words so that they begin to function as a strategy for finding hope, courage, or sense when those things don't seem to exist. It almost feels dangerous to say these words, but here goes. The last time my heart was broken, the blunt force of it set me reeling. Maybe I thought that I had been inoculated against romantic despair, having lived through breakups before, even through a divorce. But then the ground just kind of opened up beneath me. I remember walking through airports or down city blocks and just needing to stop and sit down on the luggage belt or a stranger's front stoop, needing to yell and cry, not caring who heard or caring but having no choice. I was 33 years old, still young, I now understand, but I felt suddenly ancient, decrepit. I felt shoddily built, not capable of standing up to such winds of hurt and rage. There was one afternoon, or maybe it was a night, when I needed proof that I still existed, that I had a voice that another living soul could hear. Proof that I existed in the present and that I had existed before in the past. That my memories of the person I'd once been were not false. Oddly enough, the person I tried phoning was my ex-mother-in-law in in Merida, Mexico. It was one of the only numbers I still knew by heart. But the phone just rang and rang. Nobody ever picked it up. I think of that night and the blur of days around it, when I read Patrick Rosal's poem, which is called Broke Heart, just like that. This poem is the telephone number I wish I'd been dialing all those years ago, even just to hear the speaker pick up and say, I'm breaking to little pieces too, but listen, doesn't falling apart make a kind of music? Broke Heart, just like that. When the bass drops on Bill Withers' Better Off Dead, it's like 7 a.m., and I confess I'm looking over my shoulder once or twice just to make sure no one in Brooklyn is peeking into my third-floor window to see me in pajamas I haven't washed for three weeks before I slide from sink to stove in one long groove, left foot first, then back to the window side with my chin up and both fists clenched like two small sacks of stolen nickels. And I can almost hear the silver hit the floor by the dozens when I let loose and sway a little back. And just like that, I'm a lizard grown two new good legs on a breeze-bent limb. I'm a grown-ass man with a three-day wish and two days to live. And just like that, everyone knows my heart's broke and no one is home. Just like that, I'm water. Just like that, I'm the boat. Just like that, I'm both things in the whole world rocking. Sometimes sadness is just what comes between the dancing. And bam, my mother's dead. And bam, my brother's children are laughing. Just like, okay, 
It's true, I can't pop up from my knees so quick these days, and no one ever said I could sing, but tell me my body ain't good enough for this. I'll count the aches another time, one in each ankle, the sharp spike in my back, this mud muscle throbbing in my going bones. I'm missing the six biggest screws to hold this blessed mess together. I'm wind-rattled, the woods splitting, the hinges are falling off. When the first bridge ends, just like that, I'm a flung-open door. The Slowdown is a production of American Public Media in partnership with the Library of Congress and the Poetry Foundation. To get a poem delivered to you daily, go to slowdownshow.org and sign up for our newsletter. <laughs>